Tea Freedom Friday, as Joe likes to call it. We have with us right now Yael Lasowski, P, Consumer Choice Radio. And uh, I, I want us, I'm going to make fun of him. Look, sequestered in Denmark? Is that Amsterdam? Where are you, Yael? Uh, well, at the moment, I'm back in, uh, I'm actually in the countryside of Austria, but uh, just got back from Amsterdam. I was in Germany for a bit, was in Italy a couple weeks ago. Uh, I got to take the privilege, you know, and ain't too many Americans that are traveling around these parts, so I got to represent. I mean, it's it's such a difficult life for you in an age of COVID that you can go country to country. Any any difficulty traveling from country to country in the COVID age, other than getting no. back to the U.S.? Yeah, not at all. Um, so I've I've mostly done by car, and we used to have the slowdowns at the borders. So if many of your listeners don't know, the borders in Europe, at least within the European Union, are actually open. So there are no border guards. You just kind of drive on through. If there are extreme, uh, let's say, situations like COVID or the migrant crisis, they will have police officers at the border slowing cars down. I haven't seen any of that at all for weeks. Uh, in fact, it's been uh, full throttle, green light, and I've been able to go on the German Autobahn, so uh, go about 110 miles an hour uh, all across the country, Chad. Of course, in kilometers, that's like makes you feel like you're really flying, like 160 or 80 or something. Oh yeah, it's like an F1 car or a NASCAR. <laughs> I'm doing, I'm doing great. So, but I mean, so you're you're able to go country to country without restriction, really, and, and no real. You're not having to quarantine when you get to to Italy. I mean, I, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law live in, in northern Italy, and it, it was a it was a nightmare scenario in the spring. And I think a lot of things have opened up since then. So, what's your what's your take on the European setup right now? I know that you know France and Spain have had some resurgent cases. The UK, but and a lot of discussion about Sweden because they, they lost a lot of folks early on and probably should have protected their elderly more, but they didn't go as severe on the lockdown side as some other countries did and uh, may have may have gotten closer to a herd immunity. I don't know. I'm not the judge there, but love to get your opinion on that. Yeah, I think uh, you know everyone's comparing with the United States, and it's very difficult to do. Uh, the European continent is you know made up of over 30 countries that are all incredibly different. They all have different systems of government. Uh, they all have incredibly different tax systems, jurisdictions, everything else. I think if you look across the board, most countries took it pretty seriously. Uh, you look at what happened in Italy, that scared a lot of people. Um, from what I know, in Austria and Germany, there were mask mandates pretty early. Uh, there was uh, already a, a scheme to allow people to stay at home while they were still somewhat paid by their jobs. Um, so that was kind of built into the system. People were thinking about it. Um, so it's the same thing as unemployment benefits. But uh, I think they, they really did a good job in at least focusing on that in the very beginning and making sure that the hospitals never really got overwhelmed. Um, at least in my part, that didn't really happen. And uh, again, Austria is a very small country, right? We're we're just a, a tad bit smaller than North Carolina in terms of population. So, um, not not as if we you know we have to cover California, or New York size population here. Um, but I think everyone took their own approach. And uh, when we look at Sweden, there's the outlier. Uh, they decided not to do a huge lockdown where they made it illegal to open your business. Uh, they actually allow people to be free. But people also took voluntary measures. You know, people stayed home. People wore masks. Um, you know, it's not as if we have irresponsible Europe versus irresponsible Europe. Uh, you know, we, we have that with Italy and any other fiscal situation. But <laughs> for Corona, no. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was very interesting to see. For Austria, it's basically been... I don't want to say over, but uh, cases are very much down. Hospitalizations are very much down. Um, things are pretty much normal. We've been gathering in large groups. I've, I had my July 4th uh, 
you know, pulled pork party with uh, plenty of friends, huge groups, and, and that's all allowed. So the, that's good. Trending in the right direction. That'd be highly illegal. Did you have more than 10 people at this gathering? Oh, Chad, we were at least 18. I oh, mean, I had uh, I had a gracious. good 16, 18 pounds of pulled pork. You know, I can feed a lot. The fact that you got pulled pork in Europe and, and introduced them into uh, some kind of barbecue, I'm, I'm impressed. So I must say. So tell us a little bit about, you know, what's going on with Consumer Choice Radio. We appreciate you being a part. I know you and Joe have done some phenomenal things uh, working with our station and what you do. And I, I, I think there was a desire for you to get back stateside, but it's been a little challenging. Yeah, I mean, um, I actually had it planned with Joe. Uh, we had the dates set up. We we're like, all right, we're going to be in, in Wilmington on uh, day X, day Y. And, uh, you know, we'd be able to be in the studio and catch up in person and everything. And really since March, we've had this travel ban and it's been very difficult to get home. And um, obviously, I have a right to enter as an American citizen. That's not a problem. Uh, my wife and child, my daughter at least is an American, so she can too. Wife can as family. We're still subject to the mandatory two-week quarantine, uh, which I I don't know if I would even comply with this, but I promise uh, we take tests at the airport in Vienna before we leave for COVID, so don't worry, North Carolinians. <laughs> but, I did uh, notice that some airlines, uh, British Airways was, was doing this pre, pre you know, before you board. There's a kind of an instantaneous test of some type. Yeah, we have these at the airports now, and, and I think Vienna and Dubai were the first two in the world, and I'm surprised that this is not more mainstream. I looked in the U.S., and the closest thing was that JFK, there's one of these spas in the one of the airport lounges, and they have a COVID test, but that's it. There's nothing else, and I, I think that is, is goes to show why we need a bit more competition with the airports. It's a totally different point, but you know we don't have private airports in the U.S. like they have in Europe. There's actually much more competition and more free enterprise when it comes to airports there. Interesting point, but uh, for the show, uh, Consumer Choice Radio has been going great. We've had great guests. I mean, we had Steve Forbes on in the very beginning. Uh, we've had people like Beyond Lombork, who was on a couple weeks ago, Jeffrey Singer, Fleming Rose. We've had Peter Schiff, Brendan Carr from the FCC, Jerry Buting from Making a Murderer. I mean, it's it's just been a, a very fun adventure. We're able to try to match everything that we do on the activist side with more of a kind of media journalism and information side. And uh, it's been great to partner with Big Talker. It's great that our voices can get out to all the listeners there in the area, and hopefully people are interested in that and really like our message. Well, absolutely, and and some of the things you've done on the on the website, that's what you know. As you and Joe move forward and move this station into the next gener, you know, next now that we've reformed so much, taking it to the next level has been very much. And Joe really, you know, has enjoyed the relationship and 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 you being a part of our station as well. So, what's the next big challenge for for you? I mean, I, I you know, obviously, clear as a bell, the u- utilization of technology sounds like you're in the room with us, very clear. Uh, What's next for you with with consumer choice? Because obviously you're growing. You know you, you you have a lot of friends, especially in the D.C. area. It was nice to catch up uh, at CPAC or whatever. So what's next for you? Yeah, I think now we've we've kind of grown our teams on various continents. You know, and that's something we don't get to talk about on the radio show as much. But you know, we have a full office that serves as as a lobby house in Brussels in the European Union. You know, we have a full staff there. We have people who are working in Brazil. We have people working in the United Kingdom. You know, I'm trying to just build up our teams. I always make up the joke that if you look at the state of California, I mean, we could have 18,000 staff members at Consumer Choice Center and still have plenty of stuff to do in California. It's it's where consumer uh, innovations go to die. 
And this is the kind of thing that we're trying to work on as much as possible is to try to get in front of a lot of regulations that are coming out of D.C. and many state houses and different countries and really get in front. You know, in the beginning, we were a media force. Uh, we used to write articles and do op-eds and press releases, but now we're really meeting with politicians, with policymakers, and making sure they realize that consumers care about laws too. Consumers care about regulations, they care about taxes, and especially the, uh, let's say, tech-savvy millennials, you know, we know what's what, and we like to have competition in the marketplace. We don't like the government intervening and trying to break up all the companies. We do like innovation and choice, and I think now that we're more present with political forces, now that we're more present with policymakers and we can have an influence, our goal is really to carry our message forth and, and hopefully make sure it's enshrined in law and uh, not just in the popular press. You can find out more about them, obviously, over at, uh, well, I want to make sure you knew this, consumerchoicecenter.org slash radio. Uh, they, they have links to even the Big Talker FM. And, and some of your interviews, I mean, Bjorn Lomborg, I haven't interviewed him in years, but one of the sharpest people on the climate change front drives liberals crazy because he's very, very commonsensical, very down to earth. Um, and, and obviously an interview you guys have had. Yeah, and he uh, was he spoke to us and then he had three TV interviews right afterwards. So he's a man in high demand. Uh, his new book came out that uh, is, is just amazing because he is giving us a kind of fresh new perspective on climate change, you know, really looking at the numbers and the economics of it and not necessarily the scare stories. So uh, definitely love uh, talking to him. And, and uh, he's now a friend of the show, Chad. So we'll uh, get him on our show and we can we can lend him to the station. I'm sure he'll talk to you again. Joe is not as familiar with Bjorn as, as I would be previous my previous incarnation as a morning host. But uh, that would be a great interview. He, he really is down to earth. Very amazing guy. So that's a not nice, nice little nugget to have. Now, tell us as you look, I mean, you're looking at the U.S., from your obviously growing, you know, the Consumer Choice Radio Network, but also looking at the U.S. from a consumer standpoint and looking at it from afar in a way, by, by choice, you could come back, but you're, you're staying there for a variety of reasons. What's your take on what's going on right now? You, you've obviously had podcasts about the Kamala Harris comeback. You, you know, what's your take on what you, you see here in this country right now? Yeah, I, th I think it's an interesting moment. You know, we have uh, a lot of people who are debating about ideas and philosophy, and, you know, it's all renewed. And for guys like us, Chad, that's exciting, you know, because we think about ideas all the time. We think about principles. We think about putting those into action. The issue is that I don't think it's a very good representation of those principles and ideas. You know, we're not talking about free markets. We're not talking about personal liberty. We're talking about a larger role for the state. We're talking about white fragility, racism. Um, it's really identitarianism, and it's it's the idea that every single person and every individual is not an individual, but they're a member of a group, and they get their rights as a member of a group, and that's what our society was actually built on opposing. That's why the United States was built. That's why we have our Constitution. That's why we have our Bill of Rights. It's a country of individuals and not of groups. And I think that's what we've kind of seen come to the fore in the last couple of months. And a lot of groups in places like Seattle and Chicago and Portland, they've taken to the streets and they brought batons and bicycle chains and they, they've really tried to bring their message out. And anyone who opposes them is going to meet the blunt side of a fist or a weapon. And I think that's been bad to see. You know, it's not obviously happening everywhere, certainly not in the suburbs of, of North Carolina, but... This is something that's there, and a lot of people who've been going to university for a long time, they're familiar with these narratives, talking about colonialism, white fragility, as I mentioned before. 1619 Project. 
1619 Project, you know, an entirely new vision of what the United States of America is. And again, I hate to be that old cliche, but sometimes it takes an immigrant to tell the Americans what the system's all about. And me as an immigrant, I could tell you, 1619 is not what the United States is all about, and surely not what its principles and ideas have meant to everyone around the world. Democracy in America, right? That is a foreign foreign view of America back in colonial times about how Alexis de Tocqueville, my, uh, yes. my fellow Frenchman. Yes. Uh, uh, amazing. I mean, again, sometimes it does take. And then that is a seminal work about an observation about the uniqueness of this country and its creation. Our guest, Yael Lasowski, we're going to take a break here on The Big Talker, wrap up things for the day with Yael. Appreciate him sticking with us as we do finish up the week. Guest host, Chad Adams, sitting in for Joe Catanacci here on The Big Talker FM. We'll be right back after this. Wrapping things up on this, at least at this point, beautiful Friday here outside the Murkison Building, high atop, looking out at the uh, battleship North Carolina. With us right now, Yael Asowski. He's over in Austria right now. By choice, he could come home, chooses not to. There's a quarantine issue that makes it a little uncomfortable. But we appreciate him being a part of things, and he's also uh, the founder, I guess, creator, expander of Consumer Choice Radio, working closely with a big talker. Yael, a couple things I want to ask you about because I like your perspective. And that has to do with, as you're looking in a huge development not too far from you, people don't realize how close the Middle East is to Europe, but this huge announcement between the United uh, Arab Emirates and Israel, a a full-on recognition, it looks like paving the path to stability over there, much to the chagrin of probably the Iranians and even the PLO. What's your take? I mean, I would think that Europe, there's going to be some people that will throw mud on this, but I would think the Europeans would like for it to be a little more stable over there. Yeah, I think... I have, for the people who are the real geopolitical forces, uh, they definitely love that. Um, you know, that's why actually Mike Pompeo is in Vienna today. Um, so he's he's right in our neck of the woods here. He's making the rounds. I think for, for the, the geopolitical guys, they love it. Uh, there are a lot of very politically radical groups that are not in favor um, that are going to be anti-Israel. Uh, you have that more in places like Sweden and Germany, less so in, in Austria, but um, you also look at the, the rabid extremes in France. Uh, there are a lot of people, um, due to the Arab connection in France, that are very opposed to this. So, you know, it's really going to depend. It's the, Even if they have some kind of opposition, uh, the European Union itself is just not enough of a player uh, to really play anything. And uh, I, I think this is it's good news to know that there aren't going to be any bombs dropped soon. I think that's something we can all celebrate. And uh, surely if there's some kind of alternative solution that's coming out, I think that's that's at least something to be happy about. And as you look at this, it's interesting you noted that the openness, whereas anti-Semitism here is often shady, cloudy. It's said in ways that has to be interpreted but are articulated in, in ways that are not direct. It seems like in a lot of European situations, you mentioned Germany and France, uh, to a lesser extent, some other countries, seems to be open, that, it, that people are unafraid to openly be anti-Semitic, which is ironic considering the not-too-distant past. Yeah, I think that's it's something that is, is never really discussed or talked about, that in 
you know, in, in uh, the United States, we have to, like, try to interpret stuff, like, to the nth degree to figure out if someone said something. You know, here you do have open discrimination, um, certainly against uh, different minority groups. There's There has been a lot against Jews specifically. Um, we have seen something that happened in Hungary not too long ago. Um, that was pretty concerning. There was a lawmaker who drafted a bill requiring that there be a central database of where every single Jewish person in Hungary lived. Uh, thankfully, that bill did not go through. But, you know, that's something that was not shunned uh, by, you know, the domestic population there. It was actually celebrated. And, you know, you see this a little bit as well in, in the banlieue, in the outer parts of Paris and France. You know, this is these are very anti-Semitic parts of the country. Uh, there, You have a lot of immigration that's come from northern Africa, from the Middle East, um, which, by the way, don't have many Jews, uh, as many as they used to. So it's more a question of intolerance. And I, I think, you know, when you're trying to have a tolerant society and you have many of these views that are present, it's very problematic. And I think that's why we always need better education. Uh, people need to understand why these type of things can't exist in liberal democracies. And that's one reason why our societies are freer and better and why everyone wants to move here in the first place. No doubt. And, you know, as you look now transitioning, it looks like the European economy is coming out of COVID. I mean, I think there's some 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 outbreaks that are taking place. Obviously, they get reported, but it seems they have a post-COVID outlook moving forward. And as you look at the U.S., the U.S. is still, you know, many states are doing well. And Florida had a great report yesterday. In spite of the, you know, the number of cases, they haven't had a single death under the age of 24. Very good news for Florida, by the way. But we, we've got to get to a post-COVID way of looking at the world, do we not? And, and, you know, vaccine it looks like treatments are getting better. If we can make it so that even the treatments are very successful, it would seem like we could get to opening up a lot sooner, and vaccine development notwithstanding. Yeah, it's the same with, with every single uh, sort of instability that we have. As soon as we have any kind of stability or understanding of our situation, we can plan for the future. And right now things are pretty unstable. Uh, they're kind of breaking and careening left to right each and every day. Everything is so intent on what President Trump says in his press conference or what numbers Fauci puts out. You know, that, that's not where the battle is going to be fought. It's going to be fought in our own hometowns, in our own areas, in our own nursing homes. You know, it's the places where people got very sick, where many people unfortunately died. If we can get that under control, then yeah, uh, many parts of the United States can open up like Europe. And uh, then we can get Chad Adams in a car and have him fly around the United States. And you'll be traveling as much as me. And maybe we'll even get you back over to Europe at some point. This is, um, you know, something to hope for. And I like you know, the flying we... car. I like the flying car. But and I was supposed. This is ironic. I was supposed to be in Italy in May. That's the irony. I was supposed to be uh, there in Italy. Spain, we've all had France. our scuttle travel plans. Yeah, it's been bad. Grr. Oh, humbug. But we do appreciate. It. Now, what's your take on the uh, the election uh, from the European standpoint? They're looking at the theatrics. Obviously, Trump says something, and you know, it gets portrayed over there. I have friends in Europe that say, "Oh my gosh, your country's just falling apart." And I'm like, "You have no idea the size of our country." And if you take out Chicago, Seattle, Portland, and a few other cities, it's really that's where this stuff is contained. The kind of the, the rampant violent stuff. What's your take on the election and where we're headed? Love to get your uh, opinion on that. Yeah, I, th I think there's been a lot of. Um basically integrating the New York narrative in much of the European media. Um, it's kind of an open secret here that most foreign newspapers in Europe basically just retranslate the New York Times and add a, you know, a couple other extra sentences. So most of the analysis is really coming from very, very blue 
um, urban America. And the idea is Trump is, is dead in the water. No way he'll make it. It's totally over. Joe Biden's rocking it. You know, there are a lot of legitimate questions, and there's still a lot of uncertainty. And we can't uh, really discourage the, the idea of the shy Tory vote. Um, is something that we've seen, you know, from the United Kingdom and also happened with Trump is there are a lot of people who are not participating in polls. And even if they're asked, might be lying to pollsters about how much they might support Trump versus Biden. And I think there's a lot of that. And the more backlash that we see in places like Portland and Seattle, where protesters who call themselves Antifa or something else are are flipping over cars or trying to burn businesses, usually of, of minorities or middle income people, you know, there might be a backlash. And I think uh, that that's something that we kind of got to keep in mind. You know, I, I would have wished to have more third parties kind of get involved in this because I'm more of a third party guy. Uh, unfortunately, the pandemic reality has really limited uh, all kind of manner of debate and scope. I think uh, Biden and Kamala Harris's first thing was all COVID all the time. So this is still going to be a big topic um, unless there's some kind of October surprise. Uh, not sure. I know it's tied up in North Carolina right now, but um all I can say is it's really going to depend on the riots in Portland and Chicago and, and some kind of surprise event maybe in the fall. Who knows? Yeah, the big thing to me is the degree to which which state would flip. Which state did Trump win last time that he would not win this time? Which state, you know, would be – because, you know, California, New York, I don't expect changes there. Would Texas flip? Would North Carolina flip? We don't know. But, Yael, thank you for being a part of the show. Last 20 seconds, tell folks how they can find out more about you. Sure. Go to consumerchoicecenter.org. Check out our radio show tomorrow. Uh, we're on the air Saturdays at 10. Look forward to listening in with all the rest of you, too. Fantastic. Cheers. With that, we'll be signing off for the day here on the Big Talker FM. My three days over. Joe will be back live on Monday. Have a great weekend, folks. Enjoy it and stay tuned to the Big Talker FM. Folks, we all know ongoing road construction and